Hey, what did you think of the grand round? So I was very interested in it. Um, I must say, when I heard the topic, I was a little bit reluctant because I thought, ah, oh, intrathecal morphine, you know, that's just a topic that's been done to death. But when I started watching, it was a very interesting presentation. I really liked how the um, senior nurse was able to talk about the arc of um, the history of, you know, pain relief in the unit and the development of it and what were the pros and cons of each approach. It was a really beautiful summary. And then it was really interesting to me to see how the introduction of intrathecal morphine was done in a very deliberate staged manner yeah. at the women's just to make it super safe. Random anaesthetist would come to Wollongong. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Yeah, so some random, you know, some random person would come and they're accustomed to intrathecal morphine. So they would then um, you know, use intrathecal morphine, quite a safe technique, and then the patient would go to the ward. But of course, because the um, institution hadn't been prepped for it in a multidisciplinary fashion, like um, Nam explained, um, you went through at the women's, there would be kind of upsetness. And then, um, you know, then people's sort of shutters would go up. So I think it was a very beautiful illustration of when we're going to introduce a new technique, even if it's not new for somewhere else, we're just going to go through a stepwise fashion. And I, what I really thought was gorgeous was deciding on, I think he said three patients on certain day. The first three patients on elective lists of certain days would be the patients who got intrathecal morphine. And what that did is it sort of, it started the program up successfully what it meant was it was in a controlled fashion, it was consultant-led, everybody was informed, the patients were selected very well, and then everybody was able to see that not only was it an effective technique, but it was safe also, and nobody felt ambushed. So it was a really nice illustration of you know taking people on the journey rather than just kind of uh, you know, starting a new technique and expecting the wards to manage it because, of course, the wards, you know, function in a particular way and if we change our technique, then we're asking them to change the way they function. So I thought that was really good. I also thought it was really good that they showed that using the intrathecal morphine meant that, in fact, the work on the ward was less because there was less need for the PRN um, endo. Yeah. So that was good. I also thought the conversation on itch was kind of interesting, you know, that he said, look, you know, there's not mu that much evidence for pharmacological treatment of the itch. Um, you know, some people have it. Most people, it's not that terrible. Um, um, and, you know, well, if you want to, okay, you can use naloxone. Interestingly, on Twitter, subsequently, I, th I thought it was really interesting, the 40 to 50 mic thing, because I've always been known, I've always known that oh, naloxone comes in 400 mics, you dilute it up to 10 mils, it's one mil, so that's 40 mics, and you would give that for respiratory depression, or you would give that for itch, just a teeny tiny bit to not reverse the effects of the opiate. But then, um, but then finding out that pharmacists say, 50 bikes because they recommend diluting an eight. That was just kind of an interesting tidbit for me. Um, Trauma Gas Doc says he gives the whole 400 mics subcut because he finds that it treats the um, – it acts as a deposit, treats the itching, but doesn't seem to reverse the idea. I'll have to mention yeah. that to them. Um, and then um, James Griffith um, made a comment about – Suggestion. You know, if you're warning them about itchy, giving them a positive suggestion. And my comment um, was, well, you know, we did a really interesting study way back in 2008 um, at RPA 
on our gynae oncology patients um, with a fast track surgery protocol. Um, on and we actually compared um, patients having you know really big um, midline laparotomies and ovarian cancer debulks um, to some of the at the time. Um, um, laparoscopy patients for endometrial cancer and and some of the patients having the big midline surgeries we were getting out actually faster um, and that's partly because you know there's been a learning curve in terms of laparoscopic um, hysterectomy but the difference was that um, in the arm that we had the fast track surgery protocol was um, all the women in that arm was seen by our clinical nurse consultants beforehand and had a long consultation about um, their post-operative care, which included expectations around pain and other and side effects, and what post-op was going to be, and that included yes, you will have some pain, but um, when you go home, that will be able to be managed with oral pain relief. These are the type of side effects you might expect. The, this is when you would start to be, you know, moving around. This is what this looks like, and actually, what we found that having that expectation meant that that women were not expecting to have no pain. And sometimes when you don't have realistic expectations, you expect to have nothing. And so yeah. there, well, there was actually some really interesting feedback and satisfaction from the women around knowing what to expect. And that meant that they were okay going home with a little bit of pain and oral pain relief, knowing that this was in inverted commas, normal. And so I just wonder actually if you're expecting a certain amount of itch and not, not, not you know, that, that, that you have some acceptance around that. I, yeah, I, yeah, it's interesting. I think um, the, the ERAS protocols, I read a lot about in the context of colorectal surgery, and they said if you get the stoma nurse or the colorectal nurse to see the patient and their family pre-op, you can immediately save a whole day of admission. Just by doing that, that. same. Yeah, so and, same as that. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we found. We were we were uh, we were astounded. Yeah, at just the, like that. I think we 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 were we were expecting a difference. We were not expecting the level of difference that we yeah. had, and it really yeah. was just around that. Um, you know, we can all say that we talk about these things with consent or with our patients, but the reality and what we all know is that. Um, surgeons and, and anaesthetists um, have less time um, with patients and if you can dedicate have a dedicated clinical nurse coordinator with with extra time with the patient to go through all of that plus we had so we created a um, patient information booklet and it went through all the things that you might expect for the different um, operations um, mm. it, and then like really simple things like this is what to bring with you to hospital, this is what how you would be, um, you know, day one, day two, a week after, two weeks after. Um, and, and, and that was done consulting with women, um, which at the time was pretty forward, I guess. And um, I think it is around having that, that level of expectation. So I think before we start to talk, and, and, you know, James has done a lot of work on this and he's done hypnosis and, um, and, and other stuff. And so, you know, I defer to his knowledge around that. But actually I think it would be a really interesting study to look at um, if you do um, discuss. So I think there's a difference between a discussion and a warning. 
Um, so if you discuss with women around the itch and what that might look like, um, and that yes, a component of it might be normal, but but it's most of the time isn't distressing. Um, but that if it is, you, you should let us know and we can do X, Y, and Z. I wonder if actually that will mean women are less distressed by the itch. Yeah, I know there's a lot of work around cannulation and language about when you cannulate somebody, about what you are supposed to tell them. So some people tell, some people say that you shouldn't say it's going to be painful because you're setting them up for pain. Other people, of course, say, well, of course you have to tell me it's painful because otherwise I'm going to get shot. But there, is, um, there are studies, and, in fact, and James will know better than I, yeah. um, about language that you use when you're doing procedures. And, in fact, at the GP um, conference, was it the GP conference? God, I'm getting confused about what I was looking at, but they were talking about empathy when you took blood, increased pain by a lot. Um, it's a recent study, and I really sorry I can't remember it. But when the person taking the blood actually showed empathy and said, "Where do you want me to take the blood from, and how has this been for you before, etc.?" The patients' reported pain scores afterwards were lower than when the person taking the blood didn't show empathy. So I think right. language language does you know is important. Yeah, but it is true that we poorly prepare patients. I mean, I see patients frequently. And they're just not, I'm sure they've been told it, but they're just, it's just not in a way they can remember. So they might come and they might not know that there's going to be any pain. They might not know if they're going to be in hospital for the day or for 10 days. <laughs> well, I think it's also, I think it also goes back to like whose responsibility is it? And it's not so much about whose responsibility is it, but everybody in the team do they all agree whose responsibility is? But also, so what, do they all agree what the expectations are going to be? Because if you're a junior doctor and you work for a bunch of different surgeons, the same patient might be managed quite differently in the same unit. So uh, they may not no, even know. And I'm not even talking about that. So if we just go back to the itch after intrathecal morphine, so the yeah. comment was raised today by one of the obstetricians. So... Um, the anaesthetists go through this with the with the woman, and and I and you know I I a, a little bit after that made the point. Well, isn't this really something we should all be raising with the woman? Like this should be coming from midwifery and and uh, obstetrics and anaesthetics. So you, you know, like I often wonder whether or not, um, you know the one person in the team assumes that the other person is saying it and that that person thinks the other person has said it and so then it just never gets said. Yeah, well, um, I think the other, the other I point. I think everybody yeah. means well. They just assume that somebody else is covering it. Well, the other point that somebody made in the audience was we don't see our routine patients coming for cesarean section anymore because, you know, the patients don't, you know, the patients are coming in for so many appointments, they don't see value in it. And also you've got so many patients to see. And I think that's a similar problem for a lot of units. And I know in our pre-admission clinic, we very much only see high-risk people because there just aren't slots. And so the high-risk people get obviously more um serious kind of risks explained but routine patients would only just have that risk or that side effect discussed with them immediately pre-op yeah and so then a lot going on you know and so then is it does it go back to some of the other stuff we've spoken about well then where are patients getting their information from yeah yeah and and, (laughs) and possibly that's where they're getting it from and so how can we improve the resources that we're 
we've got um, so that so that they're getting the best information they can. And I think that everybody is trying to do their best, but I, I just wonder whether or not there's um, a better way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. But it was a good it was a good grand round. It was very interesting. Oh, I was enjoying oh. watching it from the comfort of my home. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand kilometers away. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, good job, Doc. Thanks. I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.